choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. That nothing can stand against, I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. That nothing can stand against, oh yes, I will lift you high. with me this morning. Father, I'm thankful for this place you've given us to come and worship you and praise you, lift your name. And Father, I pray that as we continue into the service, that you would give us the confidence to say, yes, I will. I will praise you no matter where I'm at. Father, I'll follow you no matter where you go. And Father, as we open our hearts and our minds this morning to the preaching of the word, I pray that you would just visit us with your power and your presence and that you would help us this morning because we can't do it alone. We need you more than we can say. So Father, thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, you know, there's, there's been a point in every one of our lives, we established that just a, a moment ago, where we all have needed something in our life to change. Whether we needed a job change, a relationship change, whether we were in, in school and we said, man, we need a grade change, right? Like not, not just for one class, but we need to, to go ahead and, and move on from, from where we're at because we're looking for something that's going to be a little better, a little bit easier, something that's, that's going to make life what, what we're comfortable with, what we think it, it really needs to be. There, there's been a point for, for every one of us where we've said we, we need something to change. And for the past several weeks, we've been looking right out of the Bible at, at the, the book of Acts. And, and we've been looking at acts that will change your life. And we've talked about acts of forgiveness. We, we've talked about acts of, of kindness and, and being kind to others and, and acts of generosity. Uh, but today we're talking about acts of God. Now, here's the, uh, something that, to think about. Typically when, when we hear, well, that, that, that is an act of God, we're talking about a, a natural disaster, right? I mean, if you look at your insurance claims and, and, and the, the policies and the information, it talks about an act of God, and that's something that's out of our control, but it's generally not something that's positive, right? I mean, an act of God comes along and, and what? It tears off your roof, and, and God gets credit for destroying your house, uh, an, an act of God is something that's often considered a, a natural disaster, something that just kind of wreaks havoc, and, and you look and say, wow, that, that was an act of God. Yet, we walk outside, we see the blue skies, we see the, the green grass or the grass that's getting green, we see trees and flowers that have blooms on them or they're in the process of that. We look out and we see the stars, we see the sun, we see the moon, we, we see the light and we experience all of it. And most of us don't look and say, wow, what an incredible act of God. 
We, we don't look and say, God, why did you do this and why did you bless us in an incredible way? Yet when a natural disaster happens or something that we don't understand happens, we, we, we look and say, man, that's an act of God. And, and God, why are you doing that? Well, today we're taking a look at acts of God. That, that do change your life. And we're going to zone in specifically on an act of God that changed the life of a guy by the name of Saul who would go on and not only have a life change but a name change and, and his name would become Paul and he would write the majority of the New Testament and God would use him in an absolutely incredible way and it was an act that changed his life yet it's an act that will change our life when we look at it and begin to see how God did something that changed his life. So today, let's take a look at Acts chapter 9. And if you have your Bible or, or something with a Bible on it, I want to invite you to, to follow along as we read a couple of verses and how God didn't destroy this man's life. He didn't create a natural disaster. It was just God intervening. I want you to think about this for just a moment. As we read down through this passage of Scripture, some of you are going to say, wow, I'm not sure what this has to do with me, but I just want you to stop and, and ask yourself this question. I wonder how many times God has tried to intervene in my life. I wonder how many times God has tried to, to interrupt my life, to, to interrupt the plan that I have, the direction that I'm going, the details that, that I'm gathering and, and taking on, the, the way that I, I want to go. It just, just think for, for just a moment as we read down through here and ask yourself that question. God, have you tried to interrupt me lately and, and I've ignored you? God, have you tried to take me down a, a different path lately and, and that just wasn't where I wanted to go? Let, let's read Acts chapter 9 and, and the first nine verses. It says, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of, of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, okay, that, that's Christ followers, that, that's what they're called, they're, they're Christians, that they're people that are in this thing called the church, that the church is, is young, it's flourishing, people are, are, are kind of spreading out in, in different is now, and, and here's what Saul wants to do. Saul wants to go ahead and stop the church. It says, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and, and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into that city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now let's think about that for just a moment. We've got this guy named Saul 
who's ticked off at the church. In fact, he's so upset with the church and, and the things that are taking place in this new thought process that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that, that he's the answer to every problem, that he's the one that can forgive sins, that he's the one that was crucified, buried, and, and, and rose again. He's hearing this message over and over and over, and people are flocking to this by the, the hundreds and the thousands, right? Word is spreading, and Saul says, look, this goes against what I've been taught. This goes against my knowledge. And you know what? I'm going to stop it. So, so he goes to the leaders and he says, look, here's what I would like to do. Anytime I find any of these people that are a part of the way, you know, those people that think they have the answer, those people that think that they, they know who this Jesus is, here's what I want to do. I want to bring them bound up, whether they're men, whether they're women, I, I want to treat them just the same. And I want to go ahead and I want to make life hard on them. And here's what we're going to do. We are going to to stop the church. We're going to stop Jesus. We're going to stop these people. That's really what he was saying. So he goes, he has permission, he has the letters, he has everything he needs, and, and he begins this journey, and all of a sudden, on the road to Damascus, there's this bright light and, and it's a blinding light and a voice, and he he hears the voice, he sees the light, and the Bible says he falls to the ground, and, and here's what he does. He says, Lord, is, is that you? And then the Lord says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul doesn't have much of an answer. I mean, he's, he's speechless, right? He's astonished. He, he doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know how to respond. And, and here's what what the voice of the Lord says. It says, look, it's really hard for you to, to kick against these goads, right? What is that? A goad was an instrument that was used when, when they would put a team of oxen together. It would keep them in line, and, and, and whoever was leading them, guiding them, would, would, would make certain that that goad was close enough to the, the heel of the ox that, that they could just push that in a little bit or direct it and point it, and it would maneuver them and guide them. Why? Because it hurt. It was a vulnerable spot. So here's what God is saying to Saul. He says, Saul, you've been heading in a direction, and now you're finding out that it's really uncomfortable to continue to do what you're attempting to do. You're walking in a path that I don't have for you, you're doing some things that are certainly not reflective of the knowledge that you supposedly have. Somewhere you've accumulated all this knowledge, all this education, all this training, and you've missed my son, Jesus Christ. Now, how did Paul miss Jesus? How did Paul miss the truth of who Jesus is? How did he miss that he came and, and he gave his life and he took our sin, and he went to the cross, and he was buried, and he rose again. How did he miss all of that? One of the, the ways that he missed it is it wasn't what he expected. It didn't happen like he thought it was going to happen. The encounters weren't just like he thought they, they would be. But, but here's what we know the Bible says specifically about Saul. And as we just walk down through those nine verses and pick up a few more verses we're going to make a few quick points. And, and here's one of the first things that, that I just want you to think about in the, the acts of, of God that are specific to, to this passage. You see, one of the acts that, that takes place in, in this that, that we see is clearly Paul had a plan, 
that was different from God's plan. Why is that? Why was Paul heading a different direction? Why was Paul missing Jesus and who he is? Why was Paul so upset about these people that were following Christ? Here's the first thing that I, that I want us to get and that we see in the life of Saul that's, that's right here in the book of Acts in those first nine verses. And the first thing is this, there's a heart that's enraged. A heart that, that is enraged. When we begin to look at the first couple of, of verses, what, what does it say? It says, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Does that sound like a guy who's loving his neighbor? Does that sound like a guy who has Jesus on his mind and, and Jesus in his heart? Does that sound like a guy who has really forgiven, or who has realized what it's like to be forgiven and then to go and, and forgive others? No. What's the Bible say? The Bible says that this guy literally has a heart that's enraged. Why is his heart enraged? Well, the Bible tells us that his heart is filled with what? Anger. I mean, murder is, is used there. Do, do you know what you're going to find when you, you trace the concept of murder throughout Scripture? You're always going to find the presence of anger. That doesn't, doesn't happen by itself. You, you, you look through and, and you see Jesus talk about the, the concept of, of anger, and, and you're going to see him bring up the word murder. It do, doesn't make us really comfortable, right? And, and, and it never makes us comfortable when somebody says, man, why are you so angry? You're like, what, who, me? I'm, I'm not angry. Do you want to fight about that? I mean, that's the attitude that, that, that goes ahead and, and comes out in, in many situations. His, his heart is filled. He's enraged with what? He's enraged with anger. He's enraged with revenge. These people are going into the temple, and they're taking people away from what? My tradition. They're taking people away from my thoughts. They're taking people away from the, the way I do things. The Bible says that he had murderous thoughts and intentions. Do you notice that, that he also says, I want to bring them bound up back to Jerusalem? It's kind of interesting. You stop and think about it. Paul wants to take people who have been freed in the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ and bind them up the exact way he's bound up. He wants to bind them up on the outside like he is bound up on the inside. And I wonder how many people today are missing the act of God in, in their life. They're, they're going in a direction. They're, they're following their plan. They're, they're heading out and they're doing their own thing. And it's all because, and, and it's really uncomfortable to admit, and nobody wants to stand up and say, you know what? I've got a heart that's filled with unforgiveness. I've got a heart that's filled with anger. I've got a heart that's secretly filled with revenge. I've got a heart that, that hadn't gotten over the fact that somebody took something that really wasn't mine, but I thought it was mine, and I felt like I, I needed to own it because it was a part of the way I do things, and, and, and we can't get by that. And as a result of not getting by that, we miss out on what God is doing the entire time. I want you to understand that, that back in, in a few verses previous, 
when, when Stephen is being stoned and Stephen looks up into the heavens and, and the Bible says that he has an expression on his face as, as the expression of an angel, Saul is standing by watching murder take place. He's standing by watching a crowd of people stone a guy who has done nothing wrong. Think about that for just a moment. He, he's, he's watching people. He's helping them. He's going, let, let me lighten your load. Take that, take that coat off. I'll hold it so you, so you can go ahead and throw that stone a little harder. I, I'll, I'll go ahead and take your, your load. I'll lighten your load so, so you can go ahead and do some work that I would really like to do, but it won't look real good if I do it, so you go ahead and do it. He's standing there while Stephen's life is being taken from him. And he's watching it, and he's seeing it up close and personal. And here's what's happening. Saul is filled with with revenge and murderous thoughts. He's filled with, with anger, and he's perfectly okay with someone having their life taken. Someone who has done no wrong. Someone who sat before a council and they said, we're not sure what the problem is. He's got the face of an angel. His expression hasn't changed. He's seeing the life taken from him, and now he wants to go and and get permission to do the same for others. Isn't it amazing? Saul sees the life of, of Stephen taken, and that doesn't satisfy. Do you know what it did? caused him to want more of the same thing to take place. Anger, resentment, revenge, all of those things, the murderous intentions and thoughts that that the Bible describes in in the heart and in the life of Saul are things that are completely not healthy. Not only are they not healthy, they, they are things that will destroy you. And, and, and here's the reality. They cause us to miss out on the act of God. You see, he's carrying out a plan, and he's going a different direction. And, and, and God is, the, the entire time, he's putting people around him. He's allowing Saul to see up close and personal, look, this is what I want you to do. This is who I want you to be. And and, and he's going in his own prideful education and experience and background that he speaks about in in Philippians and, and other places. And he says, man, this is who I am and this is what I have. And and he comes to a place where he's willing to give all of that up and, and count it as trash because of what he then has in Christ. But at this moment, at this moment, he knows about God. He's learned about God. But he's really not turned everything over to God. And I wonder today how many of us may even know Christ, but we still have things in our heart that are crowding God out. We still have issues in in our heart that don't align with the word of God, that don't align with with his plan and his purpose for, for our life. They're not reflective of what the scripture teaches us. So, so what we do is, is we go ahead and we let those things build up in our heart and constantly God's trying to get our attention and we're walking through life and, and we're doing life and we look like we're religious and we can even say the religious things and we even do religious things and maybe even we're a Christ follower yet we miss out on 
acts of God in our life. Not because God is being silent, not because God is not working, but because our heart is filled with all the wrong things. The thoughts, the accusations, the anger, the hurt feelings, the, the wow, you know, th- th- this is, is different. So, I mean, we can label all kinds of things. The church was alive and well and doing great things. And, and, and Paul says, look, that's, that's not how I would do it. This is cutting some things out, and that's not my experience. So, so we need to stop it. We look at the life of Saul, and we find out. That he had a heart that was enraged. I want to tell you something. A heart that's filled with the anger, the resentment, the bitterness, all the different things. Do you know what it, do you know what it needs? It, it needs an interruption from God, and, and that's what happens. So let's just talk about a heart that's interrupted. In verses 3 and 5, here's, here's what we see. It says, an easy journey, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. You see, right now, he's saying, Saul, you found yourself on, on the ground. You've heard my voice. You, you, you've heard my voice, and immediately you say, wow, is this you, Lord? And he says, yes, I'm Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. This is a painful experience for you, but right now, I've got your attention. Wouldn't it be great if we let God get our attention before life had to hurt too much? I mean, wouldn't that be just a good thing? Like, if we would just clue in and say, wow, the pain's getting close. I'm tired of fighting. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and turn some things over to you, Lord. But, but here's Saul, in all of his wisdom and all of his training, he's still doing his own thing. And Jesus gets him, and he interrupts his life. You see, I think sometimes that we need an interruption, Saul sees a light, he hears a loud voice, he falls to the ground, and God has his attention. Let me ask you just a, a question. What does it take for God to interrupt your heart, your thoughts, your plan, your direction? There's a question. Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? You see, there's the question, then there's the conviction. Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. What, what, what are you going to do? Do you know what that tells us? Jesus is telling us, Saul, I've, I've got you right where you are, and there's really not a way out. Saul begins to ask questions, and he knows that there's something wrong that's in his life. He can no longer say, wow, this is different. He can no longer say, this isn't how I would have done it. He can no longer say, this direction is okay for me. The way I'm doing life is, is all right. He, he can't say that anymore. What, what he begins to go ahead and say is, wow, God, you have my attention. You see, there's a response that comes from, from Saul. 
and this heart that's interrupted. And the way you respond to acts of God in your life is going to change everything. The way you respond to God when he's trying to get your attention, when, when, he, when he's trying to get you to change direction, when he's trying to speak into your life, not to harm you, but because he has a better plan for your life, he has a better direction, he has a better way, how you respond to that will begin to change everything. You see, when we look at the life of Saul, and I'm so thankful that, that his life doesn't end there. Why? Because he, he became a great influencer for Christ in the church. God used him to give us the majority of the New Testament. We, we, we go back and, and look at so many things that, that he left us in God's word under the guidance of God and in his Holy Spirit. And, and we look and we see in verse number 6, that, that this is the, the record of the life of, of Paul from, from Luke's instruction. He, he says, so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Let's just walk through that real quick. What, what do we see in verse number 6, 7, 8, and 9? We see a heart, not, not that's enraged, not a heart that, that's interrupted at this point in time, not a heart that, that's going, hey, why are you bothering me? What, why are you picking on me? We see a heart that is surrendered. A heart that is, that is surrendered. One, one of the, the greatest questions in, in, in this passage that we need to, to focus in on and something that we need to take hold of today is the question that Paul says to Christ. And it's this, Lord, what do you want me to do? Paul says, I've tried my way. I've been doing things like I want to for, for some time, but today I'm saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? What direction will you have me to go? What kind of life do you want me to live? I, I want to tell you something. That, that's a question that we need to be asking ourselves on a regular basis. Lord, what do you want me to do with today? Lord, what do you want me to do with this moment. Instead, just like Saul, right, and we don't like to compare it to it, but but we say, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I've got got my plan for today, and it may not be that I'm asking for permission to to go to Damascus and on my trip there. If I see anybody I don't like, I'm just going to off them, right? We we, we may not have, have that extreme, but but we do have our plan. We do have our desire. We do have our goal. We do have our thought and the look that we think our life ought to have and the way that it needs to be done. It, when, when's the last time that we honestly just stepped back and said, you know what, Lord, what do you want me to do? Paul said, my agenda's over. My agenda is done. You have my attention. You have interrupted my life. God, what do you want me to do? Today, you might say, I can't identify with the anger. I can't identify with the revenge. 
I can't identify with wanting to stop the church. Let me ask you this. Can you identify with that question, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? Because that's a question that every one of us needs to be asking. No matter how young we are, no matter how old we are, no matter where we're at in life, Lord, what do you want me to do? God gets blamed for a lot of things, and people say, well, I just felt the Lord. That, that's the problem. You felt. Now, that might seem mean, but I'm going to tell you something. It, Paul is at a point where it's not about a feeling. This is, th- this is a direct leading from God and a complete surrender, and he's saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? No feeling, no education, no, no emotion other than, wow, I see you on a whole nother level, and you're way up here, and you're elevated, and, and this, is, this is how I see you. I am putting my life under you right now. Lord, what do you want me to do? Let me ask you something. If, if you would have asked that question in your life and followed it, I guarantee you everyone here that has any age at all can go back and identify at least one point in time where you said, well, I didn't do what I knew the Lord wanted me to do. I did what I thought would be okay. I did what I thought I felt was going to be all right. I did what I thought I could handle the outcome on. I did what I thought made me and others around me feel good because there was great pressure on me to do that. And if I could just go back and undo it, I would. When we look at at that question, here's, here's what we see. He listened. He journeyed. He waited. He wanted. He didn't eat or drink for three days. Sometimes when we ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? We got to wait a little while. Let me ask you something. Is anybody here impatient? Yeah. We got one guy that's honest down here in the second row. He's like, yeah, I I can own that. You know, the reality is is this. There's, There's a lot of us that struggle with that. Because we, we've said, okay, Lord, I've, I've asked you, what do you want me to do? Can I give you some suggestions? <laughs> well, Lord, this is, this is really where, where I'd like to go, where I'd like to be. I mean, I, what do you want me to do? And, and I've got A, B, C, D, and E down. Those are all good options. I'm really feeling plan B, but here, here's, here's a reality. Here, here's a, a thought process. For, for all of us, is, is this. We, we've got to be patient. Paul waited. I want to tell you something. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in, in raising your children to, to teach them to say, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? How, how do you want me to, to live? What, what direction do you want me to go? And, and, and letting them own those things and speaking that truth into their life because I believe that God has something for each and every one of us and he wants to go ahead and guide and direct and he wants us to start depending upon him from a very early aspect in life. 
But isn't it amazing sometimes we give a list to everybody around us. This is what I think you should do. This is how I think you should live. All of these things. And, and sometimes they don't even know that, that we're speaking from the word of God, that we're speaking from the, the Bible. Considering what, what God has for us. Lord, what, what do you want me to do? And sometimes it takes a while. So that's why we need to ask early and often. God, what, what do you have for me in this moment? What, what do you want me to do right now? You see, if, if there's, there's something that we can learn from the life of Saul, it's, it's this. If we think our life is a mess, I want to tell you something. Saul's life was a, a total mess, filled with anger, revenge, rage, willing to stand by and watch murder, had murderous thoughts, was, was willing to go ahead and commit murder if that's what he, he needed to do to stop this thing called the way. You see, that's really the intention of his heart. That's really the intention of, of the passage. Yet, yet here's, here's what Saul does. Saul experiences a life change. And, and I want to tell you something. You can experience a life change as well. You, you can experience a change of heart. That's a change of life. There, there's, there's no person whose life is too messy that the gospel can't go ahead and bring redemption. There's no person who is too far away from God that you've, you've, you've went beyond God's reach. You see, there's a grace that Paul was resisting. And truth be known, that was Paul's struggle. And that was the whole problem in the life of Saul, who would become Paul. And those around him that resisted, they couldn't get the idea of grace. They always focused on trying to be good enough and to do the right thing. And finally, God brings him to a point where he's down on the ground. He's trying to look around, but he can't see anything. And all he can hear is the voice of Christ saying, I am Jesus, are you ready to follow me? And I want to tell you something today. God has an incredible plan for your life, and I, and I want to encourage you to let him to interrupt your life right here, right now. Don't wait. Don't, don't continue down a path. Right here, right now, say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Saul was against the church, and, and he goes on, and he becomes the greatest missionary in all of history. Why? Because he let God interrupt his life. And you know what? We, we say that he's the greatest missionary in all of history. Why? Because God used him to, to write the majority of the New Testament, to, to be a major part of that, a, a major influencer. And you know what? It might be that one day we get to heaven and God's going to say, you know what? All you seminarians and your master's and doctor's degree, and you thought you knew the, the text and all the other things, and you told people in your congregation that Paul was the greatest missionary. But you know what? There's a guy that was in an obscure place that nobody has ever heard of, and he let me interrupt his life. And I used him in a way that impacted the kingdom that nobody ever knew or experienced. You ever think about that? Paul was great. Incredible work. But you know what? Maybe God wants to use you in a way that's comparable or greater or, or, or maybe lesser. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we let him interrupt our life. And we say, okay, God, here I am. This is, the, this is the path I had planned. This is the direction I was going. But you know what, God? I want to ask you, what do you want me to do? We see a heart that's on mission. 
verse number 10. We're just going to read down quickly and, and just wrap things up. Verse number 10, it says this. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and he said to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, and, and here's where we fit in. Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know what we need in the church today? We need some people that are like Ananias. Some people that will just go ahead and say, okay, Lord, here I am. You're interrupting my life. You came to me. You interrupted me. Wasn't a part of my plan. This guy named Saul you're talking about seems to me like a pretty big challenge. Really don't want to be near him. But God, if it's what you want me to do, here's what I'll do. I'll go. You see, we talk about the Saul, but we don't talk that much about Ananias. Ananias is the one that, that comes in and lays on the, the, the hands. And, 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 and Paul says, wow, it's all starting to click now. And here's what's going to happen. It says, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Get this, verse number 20. It really starts getting good. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. And we'll just keep reading. It says, then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem? And he has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelled in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Wow, now Paul's getting his own kind of experience back on him. It says this, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. Do you know how easy it would have been to say, wow, Saul, you got yourself into this mess, get yourself out of it? But they rallied together. Ananias comes with a word of encouragement from God. The other disciples come and, and they say, wow, we've got to get him out of here. And there's moments in relationships of encouragement and they let him down through the wall in a large basket. All jumping in and being a part of what God is doing. Every one of them saying, God, you can interrupt my life. This wasn't on my script today, but God, here I am. I'll do what I can to advance your kingdom. I'll do what I can to advance your cause says in verse number 26, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But verse number 27 says, but Barnabas, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, took him and brought him to the apostles. 
And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. You know, we talk about the life of Saul. Some of us have a, have a heart that's full of the wrong things, and right now we need to, to get rid of that. We need to say, okay, God, here are some things that are in my heart that I need your forgiveness of. We need to do that. If we don't know Jesus, we need to trust Jesus as our Savior and do it today. Maybe we already know Jesus, and, and maybe today is the moment where we say, God, there's some things in my heart that don't need to be there, and I want you to interrupt my life. You've got my attention, so God, what do you want me to do? And maybe it's that, that God is asking some hard things of us like he did Ananias, and, and maybe we need to go ahead and do that. We need to do that active encouragement to make a difference in somebody else's life. Maybe it's, it's that, that God is, is saying, look, you can do something as simple as let somebody down the wall in a basket. You can be a support for them. You can be a strengthening point for them because that's what they were in the life of Saul. Maybe it's someone like Barnabas where you need to go and be willing to take an unpopular stand and say, look, you know what? God believes in you, and I believe in you as well. I'm here to encourage you and pour some of the strength of Jesus the Christ into you that he has given me. I want to tell you something. Paul came to a place where he would become Paul, but before that, he was Saul. And his life was a mess, but when Jesus interrupted his life and he responded everything changed for him and everything changed for those around him so today are you willing to say God you can interrupt my life let me ask you this as we close what's your heart full of you know what it is is your heart interrupted by anything in the, the scripture today are you willing to let God interrupt your agenda, your plan, your game plan, your direction? Are you asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? You see, Saul came to a point where he had a heart that was on mission. And other people did the same through acts of encouragement. Let me ask you this. Is your heart on mission with God today? Is your heart on mission to go and, and say, Lord, here I am. You can use me. I'll be an Ananias. I'll be one of the unknown disciples that let him down the wall in a basket. I'll be a Barnabas that will go ahead and encourage. You see, today we all fit into one of those categories. We either need to know Jesus as our Savior, or if we already know him, we need to be saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? What direction do you want me to go? Do you want me to be an Ananias? Do you want me to be that unknown disciple that's not mentioned, but obviously helped save the life of Saul? Pretty important. Do you want me to be a Barnabas? Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to say, God, what do you want me to do? And then do it. Would you pray with me? Before we pray today, I want to ask you, do you know Christ as your Savior? Has there ever been a point in time where you've said, look, Jesus, I know that my life is, is not perfect. I've sinned. I've missed your mark. And I know that I don't have the hope of heaven without you in my life, without your forgiveness. And today I would like to make certain that I know you as my Savior. Today, if you'd like to know Christ as your Savior, he's already done everything. 
that needs to be done. The only thing that you need to do is by faith, trust him. By faith, simply say, Jesus, the best I know how, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. So today, I come and I humbly ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I'm trusting in your death, your burial, and your resurrection to forgive my sins and for you to be my savior. If that's you today, the best way you know how, right now, make a simple prayer to the heart of God from your heart. You can pray it quietly. You can pray it silently. You, you can pray it out loud if that's what you would like to do. It's not the prayer. It's the faith. It's your trust in a Savior who is all-powerful. And no matter how bad your life might look to others, no matter how others might describe it or you, I want you to know that you're never beyond the redemption of God as long as there's still life in your life. As long as you're still breathing, there's hope. But don't put it off. If God has your attention right now, then give him your attention, your affection, and your abilities. That's what Saul did. That's what the others did. Today, would you do that? Right where you are right now, just a simple prayer. God, I'm trusting you to be my Savior and to forgive me of my sins. If you do that today, let us know because we would love the opportunity to help you grow and know more about Jesus and who he is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. We would love to help you to know what it's like to walk in a relationship with him where you learn more about him and where you become exactly what he wants you to become. Maybe today you would say, John, I've already done that, but I've got some things that are in my heart that I need to let go of. My heart's filled with some of the things that don't need to be there. I'll own that. Maybe you would say, God's interrupted my life previously, but I've, I've kind of pushed him off. I've never really said, Lord, what do you want me to do? But today's that moment for me. And maybe you would say, with his grace, his strength, and his power, as, as the days go on and he tells me what I need to do, I'm, I'm going to do just that. As I pray, I want to encourage you to offer up your prayer to the Lord. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of the life of Saul, who would become Paul. And Lord, today we ask that you would work in a way that only you can, that you would bring direction and, and guidance into our hearts and lives. And Lord, if there's one that needs to trust you as Savior, Father, that today they would pray that simple prayer of faith, trusting in you. And Lord, for others, I pray right now that they're saying, Lord, get these things out of my heart. Remove them. Lord, what do you want me to do? It's specific areas. Father, whether it's career, relationship, whether it's in serving you, giving back to you with our time, our talents, however it might be, God, help us to answer that. Help us to respond. Help us. Father, we pray to do exactly what you want us to do. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen.
Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, you're part of our Harmony online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.